What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Modern Commerce. Modern Commerce Live today, very special guest, Neil Schaefer, going to talk about something that a not, lot, not a lot of people can talk about, uh, and that is influencer marketing, specifically in the B2B space. We're going to get right into that after a quick word from today's episode sponsors. What's up, everybody? This is John and Casey from ModCom, and I have to show you something, all right? This tool is called Wicked Reports. It's one of the best attribution tools I've ever seen because of this feature called Funnel Vision. It breaks up your ROAS into top, middle, and bottom of funnel. So I'm here in my Facebook ads account and checking out this campaign, V-Day Sale. I'd probably be cutting this thing, right? If I was looking in Ads Manager or if I was looking at First Touch Attribution, I'd be like, you suck, 0.18 ROAS you're out. Uh, but if I look at it middle funnel, it's like one of the best closers. If I look at it bottom of funnel, it's one of the best closers. So that campaign is closing. I got to keep it running. I got to adjust the targeting in there and I got to adjust the creative in there. You know what I'm saying, Casey? John, if you look at the top campaign here, this four pack lob rolls, uh, you can see actually the exact opposite effect. It's, it's bringing people into the account, into this world really effectively, but it's not that closing type. So you kind of need a little bit of both, right? Like this is Can't the Kobe. Close. One you described as the shack, together they make beautiful harmony in your ad account. Yeah, that one's lobbing it up. The other one's throwing it down. If you want to find out which of your campaigns are Kobe's, which ones are shacks, and which ones you should just cut entirely, don't even give them a roster spot, go to wickedreports.com and click the book a demo button. What's up, everybody? Today's episode is brought to you by Monk Commerce. It's a super slick in-car upsell app. So if I want to buy these New Balance trainers I'm trying to get in shape, I add them to my cart. My cart opens up and it says, hey, look, you're only $5 away from free shipping. So I'm like, all right, cool. I'll, I'll add this to my cart since you recommended it. And now I got my free shipping. But hold up. I'm only $38 away from a free gift. So why don't I add a pair of size eight new balance trainers to my cart for my girlfriend. She's got bigger feet than me. And now look at this. It actually automatically added that free gift straight to my cart for me. That will all be there when I check out super nifty app, super slick, super quick way to increase your AOV. Go to monkcommerce.com. Try it free on your store for seven days. What up? We are back. Uh, Modern Commerce. We're live on Twitter Spaces. Hopefully everything's good there. Casey, uh, Casey is my behind-the-scenes producer today. Hopefully he can like check the sound there, make sure it's not echoey. Uh, that's how it goes when you multi-stream. Neil, good to have you here today. Excited for this conversation. Um, what do you do for work, Neil? I am a fractional CMO, so I help a lot of startups, small businesses, entrepreneurs, content creators, with everything digital content, influencer, social media marketing. Nice. I like asking the question that way instead of being like, what's your background or do like, you know, give me like the rambling hero's journey of, of Neil Schaefer because uh, not that yours would be rambling. Maybe it'd be really good and captivating. Uh, but because that's how pe you get asked out in the world. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, it's like those LinkedIn profiles. Like I help X do Y <laughs> and achieve Z. Right. Uh, I mean, obviously we all do a lot of things. I mean, John, you're a content creator. You, yeah. you do a lot of different things. I, you know, I'm an author, a speaker, teach classes at universities, but at the end of the day, it's really helping businesses grow using, you know, the latest digital marketing strategies that right. I'm most passionate about. Yeah, that's uh, that, that's the nutshell. That's I always, when people ask me out in the world, like I always just say, I sell things online. That's it. Like it yeah. makes it simpler. And then they're like, what? And then I usually say, well, mostly blood and semen human. And they're like, then they just stop asking me questions after that. 
umbilical cords. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Uh, well, I don't know if I want to get into this conversation. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I want to I want to call out a quote from your book, read uh, not the whole book. So just full disclosure, uh, but have read the footnotes, have it on Audible. It's on my next read list. I got one right now. Um, but I like this quote. So influencer marketing is not about paying someone to take selfies and put them online. It's about engagement and communication. I want to ask you why I'll leave this open ended. Why put that quote in the book? Why put that in the book? So I wrote The Age of Influence to help businesses really understand and be successful at influencer marketing. So whenever I, you know, write a book, speak, teach a class, whatever it is, I find that we all learn about whether it's, you know, social media marketing or influencer marketing or like Amazon ads or whatever it is. We all come in with these preconceived notions of what things are based on what we've read, right? Mm -hmm. Or heard, but not all of it is correct. Not all of it is accurate. There's, it's a noisy world we live in. And sometimes the noisiest people aren't necessarily the most intelligent or, <laughs> you know what I mean? Or, or, or the most accurate in, in how they present things. Yeah. So in order to best understand the potential for influencer marketing, which at the end of the day is having people talk about your product when you don't have to ask them to do it. Yeah. Right. Is really this this organic word of mouth. You've you've converted someone into becoming an advocate. Well, you need to start with this understanding that, you know, you may have thought that just, oh, and I have clients and they'll go through a database and they'll send out 10,000 DMs on Instagram. And yeah. you know, it's it's a spray and pray marketing approach to influences just doesn't work, right? Um, versus starting with a few at a time, building genuine relationships with them, understanding where they come from, understanding how you can help them, understanding how they can help you understand the market. And when you begin thinking in terms of communicating and engaging and long-term relationships, making friends with people that really have a finger on the pulse of what's going on in the communities that you want to tap, you begin to say, oh my gosh, I've been doing it all wrong. You know, yeah. some people may love a $25 Amazon gift card. Other people may say, you got to be kidding me. I never want to hear from you again. Bye-bye, block your account. So the short-term approach might penalize you forever with, with those sorts of people. Um, but at a minimum, if you want to be heard, like anything else in marketing, it has to be really relevant and ideally as personalized as possible. And influencer marketing gives you the ability to do that, should you do it correctly, as I talk about in the age of influence. So that quote, hopefully, you know, I just want to set everyone's mind in the right way so that, you know, let's do a reset. Let's think about this completely differently. Just stick with me. And by the end of it, you'll see what I'm talking about. And you'll see this new value in doing things differently. That's going to get you exponentially greater ROI. Yeah, I think it's a it, it, like I think the reason the quote stuck out to me is because uh, a, a lot of the people who are, you know, in our audience who are probably listening and stuff like that, they are either e-commerce, specifically e-commerce, because uh, it's had this crazy boom right over the last seven years eight years maybe definitely over um i think a lot of the listening right now are probably at some point they were doing you know pay for post influencer marketing right? pay an instagrammer to uh post about the product and then they get sales from it um and so that's exactly how they were approaching it right like it was like you know 
why don't I just pay somebody to take a selfie with my product, which is exactly what the quote is. And uh, then it's now it's not working, right? Like why isn't it working anymore? Um, and they're wondering this. So yeah, I mean like when influencer work marketing works, why does it work? You know, influencers are humans. They have emotions. They also have motivations. They have business goals. So it's really about understanding who that person is, what makes them tick. At the end of the day, John, I, you know, I assume that you've also done sales in yeah. the past, like for and I've done B2B sales myself. And the one thing they teach you in sales is W-I-I-F-M. Mm-hmm. John, you know what that means, right? What's in it for me. Exactly. So what's in it for the influencer? And I just see, and, and I get these all the time myself. And maybe you do as well, John. Hey, sign up for affiliate program. Hey, you know, we'll give you a 30-day free trial. Even though if I was cold and I went to your website, I can get the same 30-day free trial. It's just, you you have to think about why would the influencer want to work with you if you mm-hmm. want to get them to work for you, for you in the most optimal way. And in order to do that, you got to start a conversation. There's just no shortcut. We don't know. Maybe, maybe you know, um, they don't do affiliate marketing. Maybe they actually have a full-time job but you can help them in other ways. Maybe yeah. you can hook them up with a cheap photo studio or, you know, instead of giving them a $50 Amazon gift card, just send them around town with your, with your photographer for an hour to do a photo shoot every month. And that might be an, I mean, so, and gifting free product. Yes, there, there is a, there is still a way to do that. I mean, I have a D2C client and they have a, a growth factor face serum that sells for hundreds of dollars. It's going to be a lot yeah. easier for them to work with influencers than if you're selling a, a 9.99 product, right? So there's, there's a lot, there's monetary value, just all different, but you don't know until you have the conversation and say, you know what, you rock. We know you have a great community. We rock as well because we have this awesome product. Here's our story. Here's our founder. Here's why they, you know, you, you get this emotional backing. You put a little authenticity into it. And ideally your, your founder owner has a personal brand. We talked about that beforehand, John. And mm-hmm. you start a genuine conversation, right? And that's... Yeah. I think that's the only way to really be long-term wise successful here. Yeah. I think, uh, it, yeah, it's interesting. I think, um, a lot of people, we, we tend to assume that what influencers want and the thing that motivates them is money, right? Like, Oh, they must just want to get paid. And so we do this thing where we just make it transactional. How much is it for you to post? Right. And at the end of the day, it's like, we're not asking, the right question. And, and especially if we're trying to do things on a volume basis, which I, we can get into in a second, but like, if, especially if we're trying to do like uh, we do this many outreaches per week and we should get this many responses and we should get this and that. And you know what I mean? We're like trying to like hit certain stats then it's like, well, that's great. You know, I'm, I'm all about KPIs and trying to hit numbers, but uh, that also makes it so it's like, uh, what if we don't actually find that many influencers that would be good for us to work with? And that would be, uh, work with us on a genuine basis or what if we have to use uh you know just some kind of transactional messaging that isn't going to like bring them in in the right way uh where i think I, you know i was saying it earlier in our you know meeting internally i was like hey if we're going to partner with somebody and this is for our other podcast that i've talked about on this podcast before it's very meta we talk about our podcasts on our other podcasts um I was like, hey, you know, like this company, they can pay us in money or they can pay us in clout because they have both, right? Um, and so maybe there's something there, right? Like if you're a founder with a personal brand, maybe that is just as important to the influencer as the money, right? Or if your brand has a large following, maybe that's just as important. So yeah, I mean, I think that there's like, when we make it overly transitional, I think that's where the real problem is, right? Yeah, I mean, a few important things here, right? Number one, it 
it takes money to make money. One of my favorite quotes. And I don't know if it was, I thought it was Henry Ford, but it turns out it's some Roman playwright said that. So, you know, every D2C company will be doing some form of uh, advertising, right? Uh, and, you know, for me and my clients, it's primarily Amazon ads, actually. Um, and we can talk uh, about that separately, you know, assuming that uh, people listening have an Amazon store. But this is the thing. The third thing I want to point out is that you don't treat influencers like ad units. It's it's not it's not programmable advertising. Uh, it is it is relationship building, and with the relationship building, um, you're trying to achieve a lot of different things. Some which end up uh, in send up generating revenue in unintended ways. And the way that I like to look at it, John, to begin with. So I mentioned I work with a lot of startup DTC companies. So well, you know, you want to reach out to influencers. But then when you reach out to an influencer, they're going to look at your social, they're going to look at your Instagram profile. They're going to see you have zero followers and you haven't published anything. We got to publish content, right? Yeah. And, and at a minimum, right, influencer generated content, the content that influencers created because they are content creators will kick butt over anything any brand can ever create unless they're working with an agency that works with uh, UGC, you know, content creators. Right. So at a minimum, hey, let's start to work. Let's start to develop a relationship. Let's start, let's pay people to start to get some content. It gives us some authentic content to put up. It, you know, it, it, it gives a little budget towards the influencers, but it gets them used to actually using our product. Mm -hmm. It gives us, you know, stuff to put on the organic feed. Then we can put it in our shopping cart. We can, you know, uh, use it for uh, UGC ads, what have you. And let's start that way. And that's the approach that I always take that I think it's just a much better, it's like, Hey, you know, and I tell other people to reach out to me, how can I promote your brand if I've never used you? Tell me how, how is it going to be authentic? So mm -hmm. So I, unless I have your product, it's not going to start. And so that's where the product gifting comes in. But it's not that I don't, I don't know if I want to promote your product. More than happy to take some creatives with it as I try it out. But, um, but let's start there. Instead of, you know, instead of going, going, you know, hitting a home run the first date, let's get the first base. And maybe right. that's in a sports analogy, the way to think about all this. Right. Yeah, I think it's a good point. It's like... Uh... So, so when it doesn't work, I think what we've talked about mostly is like, here, here's why, you know, that kind of model uh, isn't really working, um, where we just do this like mass outreach, we're supposed to outreach to this many people, we're supposed to either seed them product, uh, or ask them, uh, you know, if, if they have, uh, ask them how much it is to post or how much it is for up or how much it is for uh, whatever. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, I think that, you have to hold team members accountable to KPIs. So I guess that's my my next question is, um, and and be, after this, we're, we're spending a little bit of time on D2C because I know that a lot of people who listen to modern, modern commerce are D2C people. Um, and after this, we'll get into the B2B side a little bit. But um, I think, I guess my next question is then like, what do, for that team that's executing on, on your influencer program, uh, I think a lot of this comes from like, well, how do I manage them? How do I know that they're doing their job? Well, I just give them KPIs of how many people to outreach, how many, how much product to send how much of that which you know call it lazy or call it just like i need some way to like quantify the work they're doing um if that's not the approach then how do you assess the work of those people it becomes much more subjective well okay so this gets into the talk of influence marketing roi right. but it also gets into the talk of roi in general how do you measure everything you're doing right. so with Amazon, and if I was a D2C company, I'm, I'm probably an Amazon, so I, I have Amazon ads going. Yeah. Um, it, it's this owned, earned, paid. And you need to cover all your bases. Mm -hmm. So the, the paid is really easy. That's, you know, and, but ideally you want to do as little paid as possible. The paid being the Amazon ads, the Facebook ads, you know, the Twitter ads. What is the ROI of paying an agency 
to optimize your titles and your listings on your Amazon page and to create more creatives, what is the ROI of that, right? It normally it's included in that ad management and often in the ad spend. And this is the approach I take, right? Like you can do paid Instagram ads, but if you do organic Instagram in addition to the paid, it's actually going to help the performance of the paid even better. So why don't we just include all those expenses together into the paid, into that channel and see how we measure. So in other words, the sales that we get from Instagram are going to come from three different ways. They're yeah. going to come from either our organic feed, very rare. They're going to come from paid ads or they're going to come from influencers promoting us on Instagram. We're, we're tracking them. We're giving them you know, affiliate coupon codes using yeah. Shopify collabs or whatever you want to do. But so maybe that is the way to think about it because at the end of the day, you need content to be successful. And mm -hmm. influencers are the best content creators on earth. They're going to create something way better than e even that most agencies can create. Going to be most authentic. If you already have customers, you should be using their content. If you don't have customers or you can't, you don't have a loyalty program, you can't seed them with, with you know, enough incentive to get them to post, you need to have content. That's where you really want to start with influencers. So, so it just becomes, it's like, what's the ROI of a website, right? These, this is right. just a natural infrastructure. If you're not engaging with influencers, if you don't have a brand ambassador program, if you're not tapping into the word of mouth of your customers, it's just a, a, a modern, an essential part of modern commerce to uh, use your tagline. It's just something that's, that's part of this infrastructure that you do. And yeah, you need to set a budget, but you, you set a budget for an agency, you set a budget for personnel. I believe that an influencer budget becomes this additional spend that you have, but you see how much ROI you can get out of it from content, from referrals, yeah. from business, from email signups. And, and we can go on and on and on of the benefits. It becomes another component that you can and you should measure. But understand if you just do 100% ads, it's not going to stick. Right. right. And, and, and you're going to have to work for every dollar where it doesn't have to be that way. It, it's yeah. So, so anyone who's run ads, you know, if you're an agency, if you're an e-commerce brand, uh, whatever, which by the way, little side note, you are the first one to slip the words modern commerce into an episode. Not even I have done that. So bro, come on, man. I know I am other than introing the show. I've never actually like you and you've it. never told me what the concept meant, but I'm hoping I, you I'm got sort it of right. Close. You got it right. Yeah. Like what is, what is commerce today? Right. Like it's, you yeah, know, it's, it's different. different. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, uh, yeah. So, so it was, yeah, you were dead on great job. I mean, you're like a better promoter in my show than I am. Um, so well, I know it's making the YouTube shortcut. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, uh, like anyone who's run ads, a DTC brand agency, anything like that, anyone who's run ads at all knows that like the brands that have like a pop in organic, like pop in Instagram page, whatever, it just, all of it is so much easier. And I think being on the agency side, I never really fully understood that. I just, I knew to tell it to clients, right? I knew to tell them like, Hey, like when you're organic is better, when you're posting regularly, when you're engaging with people, when you're responding to comments, crazy that you have to tell people to do that. But like, yeah, when you're running ads and you're getting like hundreds of comments a day, like you should respond to some of them, uh, you know, crazy idea. But like when, when that is going on, the ads perform so much better. Right. And I never like fully under, it's like you get it conceptually. Right. I don't think I fully understood it until we actually started running ads for our own podcast. Um, not this one, the other one. And, and it was like, okay, we're running ads on, on Facebook and IG and they're doing fine. Um, but we're noticing like, oh, some people were running ads for it. They're coming to the shows and then, you know, they're coming to everyone and a bunch of people are maybe checking it out once and, and they're out. Right. Um, when we started 
clipping our content, you know, uh, reformatting it for Instagram, doing the like, you know, the YouTube shorts, basically what all podcasts do, clipping it up, putting it in vertical and, and throwing it on Instagram, Alex Hermosi style. And, uh, you know, once we started doing that, there was a lot more action in that. We started doing our podcast live to Instagram. There's a lot more action in that. It's like some people just want to consume a little bit differently. I think about how I consume some podcasts. There's some, especially entertainment-based podcasts, where I've never, ever, ever listened to a full episode, but I probably listened to 10 episodes worth of clips, you know? Um, so it's, it just, and, and the ads started performing better and people would like kind of just come into this web a little bit more instead of coming into this, like one string of thing, like follow the string from my ad to my product and convert for me. Um, instead it's like, you know, follow this string. And then if you don't really follow it all the way through, it's okay. There's you, you know, you're going to hear about us. Right. And, it, and it's going to feel native and normal to you, uh, to do so. So yeah, hundred percent agree with this concept of like, uh, it's not, it's not just about, you know, paying somebody to post and send traffic to you. It's like, what is the whole like infrastructure work look I, like? I think like, the analogy I like to use, would you rather rent a house all your life or at some point own your own house? Right. And advertising, you're, you're, you're always paying for it. Right. And when you have no budget, then you have no advertising and no sales. <laughs> but right. if you own a house, it, it becomes an asset. Right. And all these things, audiences that come to your website, email address, signups, Organic content. I I promote my uh, D2C clients. I yep. actually have blogs. Create Shopify. Let's get some organic traffic. Let's repurpose that content for informational, educational content for yes. the socials as well. It's asset, right? And the ad is not an asset. It's on one day, off the other day. So you need both. You, you need money to make money. I'm a big fan of ads. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But there has to be a balance because it's just too short term. Long term, it doesn't last. Yeah. Unless you're, you're hyper successful at first. And usually with advertising, as you know, John, it takes time to test different audiences, different mediums, mm -hmm. you got different times of the year. Uh, you're influenced, you know, Christmas time by uh, your competitors and, uh, you know, ad prices do not seem to be getting any cheaper on any platform. No. I think any expert would tell you. So you're up against a lot. You, you need to diversify is really the message. And it, it, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's a good point. I think, um, I'm always like, I tell people all the time, like I'm an ad guy, right? Like this is how I kind of came up in digital marketing. And it's like, when you're a hammer, all you see is a nail, right? So I see that like ad conversion funnel everywhere, right? Like not a lot of podcasts out there are running ads, right? But I'm like, I am, but I am like doing it in a way where it's like, you know what I'm not doing is run an ad where somebody just like goes, listens to my podcast and that's it. Like I'm building my email list with it. Right. Yeah. Yep. So it's like, I'm going to build long, like I'll run ads, I'll pay all day, but I want to acquire somebody who is with me today and also then can be with me in the future as well. Right. So we have this whole kind of like system where it's like they come, they sign up for the email list and then, you know, here's our Instagram, here's our YouTube, here's everything. Right. Like, and then we just look at it like how, how sticky can we, like how, how many places can we get them to follow us? You know, we, we call it baking an audience, right? Like how well can we bake them? Um, mm -hmm. I think brands, e-commerce brands, they can think about it the same way. We're a content company. Right. Um, but like, you know, the other side of my whole job in my day to day is I help e-commerce brands. And I think this is sort of the new evolution of like what commerce looks like in the modern era. What modern commerce looks like is I think brands thinking about content a bit more, right? How do we yeah. do it ourselves? What does it look like, you know, when we do it, what does it look like when we bring other people in to do it? So when well, here's uh, a data point for the flip side, for the content creators, the ones that aren't, you know, advertising their podcasts, yeah. what have you, you know, I know one of the podcasters in the HubSpot podcast network. 
So mm. we all know HubSpot you, is. You don't want to you don't want to name drop them? Is it? Is it I don't want to name drop, but I will say what the not, Hubs- John Lee Dumas or is what it- the HubSpot <laughs> Podcast Network does is if you advertise your podcast, they match the spend. Woo. So let's say you spend a thousand dollars a month, they will give you a, a, an additional thousand dollars, which just shows you HubSpot is only picking the big, you know, podcast, yeah. but yet they understand that pay to play is is part of it. it it is an essential part of of modern commerce you, you right. always need to have and i'm the same whether it's you know 500 a month whatever it is and i'm experimenting with different channels right now i'm doing youtube actually uh-huh. um but you, th- that should always be part of the component to expand to new audiences that don't know you yeah yeah no that was that uh casey did you write that down hubspot network that's where we're going next uh <laughs> hit the ald up now yeah hitting them up <laughs> um no, so it was, uh, yeah, so I, I do want to get into, speaking of HubSpot, great segue, because I get into a little bit, like, what does influencer marketing look like in B2B? To me, it's very obvious, right? Because, mainly because I think I'm a podcaster and YouTuber, right? Like, we're podcaster, podcast on YouTube, right? Like, uh, I think it's obvious because it's like, well, that just creates business, right? So that's influencer marketing in B2B, but um, I think that uh, th- there's, there's, like, this big jump between people who create content uh, that leads to business for their own company and actually either developing a program by which that scales or using outside influencers in, in the B2B space. So, so tell me what that looks like in, with companies that you've worked with. So B2B, B2C, it's the same thing. It's how can people that have a social media profile help push your agenda, whatever that is, right? So influencer marketing, we usually or almost always associate with B2C but I would say with B2B, uh, it's actually more important and more popular for a variety of reasons. But think of affiliate marketing. Yeah. Um, this is a classic example where uh, B2B marketers have been doing influencer marketing by signing up affiliates who, who often have blogs that get a lot of traffic uh, in hopes of you know, cashing in on that relationship and, and getting more sales. When B2B brands have events and they invite speakers to their events in order to draw more people. They're often paying for those speakers. So I think with B2B, you primarily first see external influencers. These are mainly in B2B, it's subject matter experts. Yeah. So let's put it this way. I have a lot of agencies reach out to me. They want me to speak. I, I am not a competitor. I do not have my own agency. I'm a consultant. But I can speak on topics like influencer marketing. And if the agency has an influencer marketing services arm, it will generate demand. They bring in an expert. I do a speech and then they get the sale. It is the exact same scenario as B2C, but with B2B, there are fewer influencer marketing experts that don't work at a company and agency or have their own agency that you can call in versus a B2C. I want to sell the latest perfumer handbag. There's a ton of people I can contact out there when you get down to the nano influencer level. So there's fewer subject matter experts, but you know, any agency listening, uh, we want to sell more Amazon ads. Let's, if we can get an Amazon employee, great. If not, is there some Amazon ad expert uh, that doesn't compete with us? They, they don't have their own agency that can talk yeah. about this. You know, there, there's tons of content creators and bloggers and podcasters out there that you can reach out to today to generate more business for your company. If it's the right platform, whether it's a podcast, a YouTube, a blog, an event, we can debate all these different mediums. But that yeah. is the way I foresee, especially for those agency owners listening of how you can leverage the same thing. So that's the external, right? The subject matter expert. 
Um, right. And imagine if you can bring like a Gary Vaynerchuk to your event. That's, I mean, I, he, he sort of crosses over the B2B and the B2C. Um, but I think you get the idea. And, and he would maybe be a competitor depending on, you know, what your company is. Yeah. If you're a small company, not, but if you're a big agency, yeah, VaynerMedia will, will, will yeah. eat you up. So, so okay. yeah. Um, but, but that's an example of like an entrepreneurial author that, yeah. you know, it, he's not a subject matter expert in one particular thing, but entrepreneurs that have written books, you know, they charge a lot of money, but they can also draw a lot of people that might be indirectly interested. You're going to broaden your audience. That might be good or bad. Right. Um, and you're going to pay for that. So on the flip side, when we talk about B2B, we often talk about internal influencers. Uh -huh. And here's the thing that when you look at a traditional B2B organization, and I know we have a lot of you know, agency owners, but think of like a Cisco or an IBM or one of these boring big B2B companies. Right. The most influential people in social media in these companies are often their salespeople that get LinkedIn, that mm -hmm. don't ask to be compensated to get sales navigator because they've been on it for a decade. Yeah. And they've actually built up a following and they, and they close business and they network and they know how to do it. They know how it works. If we can somehow get these people to share more about our brand to their networks, we know it's going to generate more sales. Right. Mm -hmm. And this is something called social selling. And interestingly enough, I, I wrote my first two books on LinkedIn. So, and, and my background's B2B. So I'm very passionate about this. At the same time, we started talking about social selling about a decade ago. We started talking about something on employee advocacy, which is, well, what about people outside of the sales department? And then you right. get into what about our internal experts? So you have subject matter experts on the outside, but on the inside, and I'll tell you, when I was in sales, there were a few people in my company, if I was able to get their time and take them to a customer and have them meet the right people, I could close the deal. Or if I could bring my CEO in and my CEO could tell stories about how the company was formed, all these you know, war stories of, of helping clients you know, go from across the chasm or, or whatever it is, um, right. all that information coming from those people can help generate business. So can we get these people now more active on social media, right? Better represented our brand. So that's where we talk about the employee advocacy, employee engagement, employer brand. We get really, I just call them employee influencer, like treat employees as if they're influencers. And I'll tell you, it works for D2C. I have a client, they're a hair color company, right? But they have one person on the East Coast that is in charge of training you know, barbers and beauty salons on how to properly use this hair color. And she's a cosmetologist, uh, not a cosmetologist, whatever the word is, but she's very, very popular in that community. And yeah. when she goes to events to speak, people come. Well, what, you know, she should be the face of our company. How do we include her in more of what we do in social media? So, you know, no matter what company you have, and another D2C company, they had like an R&D guy come into the office and he started talking about all this stuff that we didn't know about the product. It's like, oh my gosh, we need to get this in the messaging. Better yet, we need to get this person in front of the camera uh, to start sharing some of this information. So I'd say a combination. And if you're an agency owner and you have a personal brand, it's even easier. Now it's like, how do we blow up that personal brand? How do we scale it to become the next Gary Vaynerchuk, to become the next right. VaynerMedia? And there is a way to do that, right? So that you become the influencer, but that the business that you generate is not for others, but for yourself. And I think right. that's really the ideal uh, thing. And, and, and in B2B, we call that like executive personal branding, like the CEO. How do we make them more influential to generate more business? And part of that is actually getting that person engaging with other people. Like, yeah. you know, if, if you own an agency, are you engaging with the CEOs of the companies that you serve? Are you interviewing them on your podcast, building that credibility? building a high level network would be a great place to start. I think, I mean, we could go deeper on this, but yeah. Yeah. And we, maybe a little bit, uh, so 
It was, it was, and it made me think of an example. So, and I think I brought this up on the last episode even, but like uh, that same company that used to just do really well with pay for post, right? Reach out to an influencer, uh, ask them how much it is to post the product. Great. Yep. We agree. Send them the product. They post it. Um, They do really well. They did really well for that. That's kind of waning. And uh, what they've done is they essentially, they hired somebody who has her own following on like TikTok and, and Instagram and her as the social media manager, right? Like her following is not yep. so big that that's how she makes a living. Um, but she knows what she's doing. Um, and, and it's a little different. Even she has kind of said like, it's weird. Cause like, usually I'm just kind of like selling myself, right? Like how do I adapt this to the business environment? So there's a, there's an adjustment there and there's probably a whole training. There's probably a lot of companies like that where they've like hired someone who knows how to do it. But there, that person is like, uh, okay, but like, well, how do I do it for them? Like, how how do I make it professional, or how do I make it productive, or whatever? Um, they've actually now hired another person who has like seven hundred thousand fo- followers on TikTok, uh, and like they so they both work there now because like she's actually like a, she worked in social media for like another big company stuff like that. But he's like raw. He's just like I don't know. I just know I grew a TikTok following, right? Um, and so they're like, what does this look like internally? And so like you know what they've kind of come to is like, well, why don't we do because because they've made so much money with you know influencers ambassadors they have this tiered ambassador creator influencer program um and like well why don't we just try and attract more of them like what if we did like a creator series you know where we like talked about being creators there's two of you right here like uh and the two of you know a whole bunch and this company knows a whole bunch like well you know like you know why don't we do that so i think it starts to look more and more like that right that in the content that gets created by the company is more it's less faceless right it's there's there's people associated with it um whether they're external or internal i wanted to ask you a question on on internal leaders or internal influencers do you think that anyone who's interested in that within a company do you think it should be like part of their job like part of their day is like you know hey you work 35 hours a week doing this and five hours a week you know like do you think it should actually be a structured thing or should because i've been in a lot of like agencies, the kinds of agencies you're talking about. And they're like, yeah, yeah, totally. We support personal brand and, and they'll, they'll retweet you. They'll do all the stuff. Right. But as long as it's on your time, you know what I mean? And yeah. And especially in the remote work environment, your time is like a very slippery concept anyway. Right. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so do you think that it should actually be like, no, no, there's a program by which like some of your time should be dedicated to building your own personal brand. You know, this is when I talk about this creating this employee influencer program. What did we just talk about before? Before you reach out to an influencer, WIFM. What do they want? It's the exact same thing. What you know, you can't expect people to do it, right? But if you offer them training, and the most successful programs have an education aspect, right? If you have someone that you know has built up a following on TikTok, and they work in marketing doing this stuff. Why don't you have them do an internal training for anyone interested in joining the program? Spend an hour, learn how to create viral TikTok videos, right? Mm-hmm. Um, bring in a personal brand and bring in, you know, John, bring in Neil, bring in external resources to actually educate and invest in your employees. And, you know, maybe then they'll say, wow, I, I naturally want to do it because it's going to help my personal brand. I'm going to learn some great skills. I'm going to, I'm going to network. I'm going to build a following. And, and it becomes part of their asset that they bring with them wherever they work in the future. So yeah. I want you to be that company that does that. 
And then I think more naturally, people will get involved. I mean, you have other like gamification schemes. Like every time you post, you get a point and the most yeah, point is the bonus. Yeah, I've worked in places of, that have that. and it, Yeah, it's really hokey, right? But yeah. just genuinely invest in people. And I mean, people understand when you invest in them. Whoa, sorry. Standing desk uh, problems. Um, <laughs> but they, they understand that. <laughs> Getting wobbly here. Um, yeah. They understand it. And, and, you know, I do believe when you help people that there is this bank account of karma. When you in, truly invest and want to help people and empower them, that they reward you. Yeah. And you have to. And if they're your employees, why wouldn't you? They should be your most important assets, right? We, we talk about no like, and trust. They are the people with the most no like, and trust to your company because their livelihood depends on it. So right. I would start, and I don't expect everyone to join a program, but if you have 100 employees, it, you, let's say you only have 50 employees, but if you're a marketing agency, I would expect a few people would say, yeah, I'm in. You know, I, I think there's probably a world where, because uh, because I think so so I've been this person uh, internally a after I sold my well maybe I shouldn't actually say the situation because then anyone who knows me will know the company but uh, after I sold my agency and I had sort of built a little bit of a personal brand building that agency like that's I was interested in still building a personal brand um, and it, and it wasn't at zero right so like it was just like the time right like you know you have to have the time to create however many Twitter threads you're going to do every week and LinkedIn posts and, and just create the, ideate the content, all of that. Right. So, so a lot of it was the time, but you know, I'm also busy because now I'm, you know, working at this company that I've sold my, sold my company to. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so I think that, you know, I see this world where if you're wondering like, okay, you know, look, if you do a thing where you're saying, Hey, five hours out of every week or two hours out of every week for everyone is for building a personal brand. You can't do that. Not everybody wants to do it. Not everybody's going to do it. It's yeah. going to be hokey, honestly. Like even if you, there's no point system, they're going to be like, yeah, they're making me do these like social media posts. So now I have to like post about work and like truth is you don't have to post about work, but like you like going to feel like that to a lot of people. Um, and you know, the trainings though, I think that's a better, so, so I think I see a world where it's like, yeah, Hey, why don't you just do these trainings that way? Everybody, people can take advantage. People cannot take advantage. And then certain people who decide to build a personal brand within the space that fits your company, right? Like that appeals to, to the audience you want to appeal to, you know, once they've showed some level of commitment to doing that on their own, then maybe some other time is dedicated to that. Right. Um, I, you know, I think that they're like, that's the, that's the real issue is like, okay, the, you know, there's this time aspect, uh, but then there's also this, like, you can't make everybody do it aspect. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I, I know of companies where they'll do like lunch and learns like, Hey, drop in for lunch and let's work on your, on your LinkedIn profile. Yeah. You know, so yeah. There, there's various ways of doing it within quasi work time. Um, yeah. you need to find the right formula for your company, but just knowing, you know, even if it's only one or two people that's one or two people more than you had yesterday. Yeah. So once they, you know, you talk about those different tiers of influencers that work at the company, you get some that start to recruit, some that create, some that amplify. It's the same thing. Your core people, if you make them happy, they will share their their glee with their employees and it will expand. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you're going to get to a Zappos where like everybody could, you know, tweet at one time on their Twitter account. Um, but that's really the goal. I mean, the, you know, it's everyone, it's not just your company as a founder, you sort of, you don't own the brand. It's every single employee is invested in it. So yeah. try to find a, a way to give it up to them and, and allow them to participate. One company. So I can, I don't mean to, I mean, these are non-paid ad spots that we're about to say if you, if anyone comes to mind, but uh, one company that I see, and I'll ask you if you see any as well, 
one company that I see doing a really good job of developing what what I would call an internal influencer program. I I would guess from the outside looking in, my guess is that it's informal, right? That that it's just they tend to hire a lot of people who are kind of like already interested and already doing it and stuff like that uh, is triple well. So triple well, like they themselves are great at Twitter, but then they've got three, four, five people who work there who also have like a pretty solid Twitter following LinkedIn following or, or, or whatever. And, and then they also become their own little engagement group and, and all that. So then it's like, you know, more fuel on that fire. Um, but it, but it's in a very natural way where it's like, I don't think they have like a, okay, now it's Friday at 10 AM and it's time to do Twitter, you know, or like it, it, it's very natural. And, but then at the same time, it does seem like it's like a supported, like, you know, if you're at work and you, you take an hour to schedule 10 tweets for the week, like, I don't think they get in trouble for that. If I'm going to guess outside looking in. Right. So I think there's a balance there. Um, and they're doing it really well. Any other companies you think are doing like internal influencer development, development really well. In, in a different way, uh, the company I like to bring up is Duolingo. Uh -huh. So, you know, in, in these TikTok videos, we don't know how many of those employees, we don't know what their followings are, yeah. but they're, they're participating. They make the company look fun. They make the company look fun to work at, work with. And that's where I, I mentioned this employer branding of using social media uh, and using influencers so that you talk more about the brand in general than a specific product and you yeah. get them glued into wanting to, to buy you. Um, I think that's extremely effective because they're just using, they, they've gotten buy-in from their, that what look like average employees are going along with this. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, very, very different way of what you just mentioned is a very, very common way. A lot of B2B, you know, uh, sales guys or whatever, Hey, let's get together for an hour. Let's tweet up a storm. We'll comment on each other's posts. We'll go into a LinkedIn group and invade it. So I, I know that there, there are companies that actually teach this. There are people that teach this yeah. and that's definitely one tactic, but I, think, I don't know how long it lasts. Right. Yeah. When you do it that way. Uh, I think it, uh, if it's. Yeah. Again, if it's part of their day, it's more helpful, right? Like if it's yeah. like, uh, Hey, you shouldn't be using work time to do that. Right. Like then it, I, I think that's where, where team members specifically feel strange about it. Like, Oh, should I be building my own personal asset during, you know, work time? If it, even if it's going to help the company. Um, so yeah, I mean that, that, that's something I've been thinking around more lately. How do you develop like internal people a little bit more? Right. Um, B2B external is another interesting to me, uh, because you just said like, you know, Hey, there's just the problem you know, or not the problem, but like the, the reason we don't see as much of this is because there's just not as many of them, right? Most yeah, of them exactly. already work at it. How many Amazon ads experts are there or Amazon expert period that don't already work? Dude, at very few. I, I was looking for like, you know, books on Amazon. I mean, yeah, it just very few. Yeah, no, I think and and really everything, influencer marketing and stuff. So I think the similar to how there's been this uh, B2C creator economy uh, on the consumer side, do you think that that will develop on the business side or do you think it's like, well, the part of the nature of that is in order to have subject matter expertise, they kind of have to be doing it. Uh, and if they're doing it, then they're probably at a company unless they're like, unless they've gotten to this level, like where you're at, where it's like, oh, I'd actually just consult with multiple companies and I touch these things, but I don't actually do them directly. Right. Yeah, I, um, I think that, um, there's a lot of B2B content creators. We called them bloggers and podcasters and authors and speakers before, but they're truly content creators yeah. that now are leaning into this. And there are more B2B brands that are reaching out to more of these people as well, creating these B2B influencer marketing programs. So it is growing. But yeah. for those listening that want to get into it, 
the defining matter of it is not that you are you have a large community it's that you're a subject matter expert now if you have a large community all the better but you gotta you gotta be able to talk intelligently about a subject to a yeah. serious audience and and often a very very intelligent audience so it's it's a very very different type that it actually means it's a higher barrier to entry which yeah. is another reason why there are so few people that do it but yeah um you know i went to uh, the uh, pop, my own podcast episode that you listened to, there was an event in San Francisco all about B2B influencer marketing. Um, and there was a panel with B2B influencers. So you had Anne Handley, who is the author of Everybody Writes. She's a speaker, um, fantastic person. She's the CEO of Marketing Profs, one of the biggest you know marketing communities. Right. We had Chris Penn, who's written books on AI and marketing. He also works, uh, you know, he's a corporate employee, but he does a lot of stuff on the side and blogs, what have you. We had Helen Yu, who um, is more of a, 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 I believe she's a fintech influencer. I didn't really know much about her until I met her. Um, but, you know, these are people that are that are generating lots of money um, from working with big enterprises, speaking and blogging and, you know, selling books and what have you. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's there. And the interesting thing is if there are agency owners out there that have expertise in things that other B2B brands might be interested in, yeah. that might be an interesting way to sort of, you know, um, sell your personal brand into these places, but the monetization is less about how much money you make, but the more exposure your agency gets to these right. other people. The people that I talked about don't have their own agency. If they did, you can right. imagine how powerful that might be. So they, just yeah. to think about. they had a background. Do, so, so this is what, uh, so, so do you think that uh, there gets to be this, I'm just slinging this out there, right? Uh, do you think there gets to be this point where it's like, yeah, they did it once or they did it at one time but now it's been too long since they did it. Like, I think that is where some of those B2B influencers who, who that's all they, that's what they do now. And this may be, I guess I'm just like, maybe, you know, having a therapy session and like giving you my struggles here since I've left the agency world and I'm like still doing some fractional CMO work, but like definitely not as, as into a lot of tactical things as I used to. It's like, there's this whole thing of like, well, do I really actually have the subject matter expertise today that I had at one time asked, probably not. Probably somebody else out there has more than me. Maybe they're not willing to speak or maybe they don't have the community or maybe whoever is looking for somebody to speak doesn't know about them because they aren't, they don't have the following I have or whatever. Um, but yeah, I think that's the criticism that, you know, some get, like, what do you think about that? John, um, that's very brave of you to be very transparent. Vulnerable. Um, we, we all have imposter syndrome. I sometimes have imposter syndrome as well. It's okay. We all yeah. go through it. But in the words, I believe it was Pat Flynn who said it, but you just have to know a little bit more than other people less experienced. There are always going to be people above you. There are always going to be people below you, right? Yeah. And I, I consider this the curse of knowledge. When you know a lot about something, you always look at people that know more than you and you get the imposter syndrome. But 99% of the people know less than you. You just yeah. forgot what it felt like not to know something. Yeah. What was it Einstein or somebody who said like, the more I learn, the more I realize I don't know. Right. Which is all yeah, you, exactly. which is all you gain when you learn any kind of subject matter expertise is like, Oh, most of it. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Like I know 10% of it, but most people actually know 1% of it. Like, yeah, I, I, I agree. And I think, you know, that's kind of my, my take on it as well. Um, I think, uh, let's see, do we have a, no, sorry. I thought we had a question here. A little slip there. Um, I tell me how you see like I think that the agency so so like you kind of said like an executive personal brand, um, right? So it's like somebody who uh, 
is a CEO or an executive at a company, they've built a personal brand. Um, you said then the goal really is just like, how do you make them the next Gary Vee? How do you make them that next big thing is is that essentially what that looks like is like okay you know like once there and that's how we're getting business then their whole day-to-day and their whole job should be networking with people who can platform them and just whatever it is they need to do to grow gain more exposure into new audiences write books that kind of stuff i think in the b2b influencer marketing world the problem is that most executives aren't bought into influencer marketing in fact they're not bought into social media in fact they're not even on social media Right. So really? the agency owners already like way above the average. Yeah. The, the agency owners, that's not true in, of agency owners. Yeah. Yeah. Like, right. Saying, yeah. So it's like, how do we activate these? How do we get them on social? How do we get them to participate? Because let me go back to when I was doing B2B sales. I mentioned when I was able to bring my CEO, I was selling in, in Asia. My CEO was for the startup was in Ottawa, Canada. When he came out and I said, hey, my CEO is going to be coming out from Canada. He only comes once a year. He's only going to be here for a week. You know, would it be possible for me to meet your decision maker at company A? Often that time limited with the combination of the CEO, I'd get the appointments and that would help move deals forward and, and close deals often. So it's the same thing, right? If we can get our CEO talking to other decision makers at other companies in our industry or get them out there more promoting our business, it just has a level of authority and credibility because of that title. And I think that's really the easiest way to think about this. You know, yeah, could could they go on stage? Could they write books? Absolutely. But the first thing is you got to activate them and you yeah. got to make them representative of your company in the social and digital circles. If they're already activated, then then maybe that's if they're already the- activated. Yeah. Then it's just it's mindset and it's really focus. Yeah. And it's it's you know, networking and, and doing social with intent. Right. You, yeah. Do you think that there's a world where external influencers so so one of the things we've seen in consumer goods? Uh, is external influencers essentially like we'll call it like teaming up or attaching themselves to the brand either as a shareholder or whatever, but, but essentially the main value they're providing, you know, like what is it? Is it, I mean, Ryan Reynolds owns like a bunch of companies at this point. I'll use like actual celebrities. Uh, didn't The Rock just have like a liquor brand that sold for a lot of money? Like he probably had nothing to do with the production and manufacture, like the, like of that. He just was like, oh yeah, I'll put my name on it, right? Like that's fine. Um, do you think we might see something similar in the B2B world where, uh, you know, some kind of external B2B influencer uh, becoming attached to like a startup? Um, you know, I've already seen this. Um, there's a guy named Brian Solis. He used to be like an analyst um, and uh, he is now like, I forgot what executive role he has at Salesforce. Mm-hmm. Um I've seen other sort of subject matter experts in marketing that now are executives at various companies in, yeah. in charge of their marketing or content. So it, it definitely does happen. And that's when it comes down to lifestyle. We are thinking these, these people are killing it on stage in the books. Why would they want to do that? But some, at some points, like, you know what? I just don't, you know, it, it's funny. Chris Brogan is another one of these famous guys. I forgot which company he works at now. But he was independent for like two decades. Really famous guy, best-selling, you know, New York Times best-selling author. And he goes, you know what? I can stop hustling now, right? Mm-hmm. Like every day hustling, hustling. And every content yeah. creator and entrepreneur is like that. I'm the same. I, I enjoy the hustle. Uh, yeah, I mean, right. Gary V right there. But but for other people, it's like, you know what? Maybe they got kids. They want a little bit more stability. Um, maybe they got a great compensation package. There's a lot of reasons. But, but absolutely, I, I do see that happening. But I think there's also value in creating community with external influencers. I am an Adobe Express ambassador. 
And they're really good at creating community amongst the Adobe Express ambassadors. And right. since we we got connected through Adobe Express, we, we talk it up even more and it actually helps amplify right. the, the voice when you get the community together. So there's, it, but if we were employees, it would be different. So right. there is a value once you get these external influencers together to create a community, a diverse community where you're each talking to different audiences, it can be quite magical. And, and Adobe is really, I'm actually part of another Adobe uh, influencer community uh, yeah. that I'll be announcing uh, very soon as well, unrelated to this one, but they're really, really good. They really, yeah. really get influencer marketing at, at, at a really, really sophisticated level. So that's another another company I'll throw out there. Right. And and now that you've said it too, well, that's not B2B, but like uh, you see it happening in, like, I think a lot of people who have some level of success, they do something, they maybe author a book about it, whatever. Um, sure. They then become uh, advisors, right. Or, or advi I put advisors in quote, like they don't give actual advice. They're just advisors. Uh, you know, like they they become advisors or they become investors even, right. Like they, they just kind of like go to this place where, yep, I I'll be an advisory, you know, board member and investor in companies, you know, and I'll take either some equity or some payment or some combination of the two. Um, and you know, part of what you with me is, you get my audience, right? Like if you, if you're a company that I'm involved with and people are going to know about it. Um, so that actually, I guess, leads me to kind of my next thing I wanted to ask you about. And this is something, you know, little cat out of the bag here. We were, we were talking about a little bit before. Um, do you think all entrepreneurs, so, so I, I basically synonymously put like entrepreneur startup right in in the same like that's the same kind of person you know an entrepreneur is somebody who launches a new company makes something new uh but uh, do you think there's this whole other brand of entrepreneur who like that that's not what they do yeah you're 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 feeding into my my philosophical question which is yeah. um you know are startups and entrepreneurs and content creators all more similar and and small business owners more similar than we might think right and um and, and this is sort of as I continue ideating on my next book. And no, I'm not using ChatGPT to ideate. I'm actually using human brains and talking to smart people like John. But, but um, I, I think that, you know, let's start with the, the agency owner that wants to, you know, accelerate their personal brand or, or the content creator out there that wants to sort of monetize. It's definitely thinking like an entrepreneur, right? You know, yeah. if thinking in terms of entrepreneur, in terms of, I, I have this uh, mastermind group coaching community, um, and I'm not here to pitch it at all, but everyone in there wants to better understand like the mechanics of, of digital content influence social media marketing, but they don't always have a product. To sell. And I know there's a lot of content creators out there. Maybe their product is, Oh, you know, sponsored posts or yeah. their YouTube, Google AdSense. That's not really a product. So you have to create products to sell. And, and in fact, your revenue stream, you should have, you know, I have like eight or nine different revenue streams and every content creator should be the same. Maybe one is sponsored posts, maybe one's affiliate marketing, but there's a lot more out there. So do you have product? And do you have enough product for your audience to consume? And I'd say this for the personal brand. You have an agency, but Gary Vaynerchuk also has books. He also has events. He has NFTs. So, you know, his fans engage with him at every different uh, price point. And yeah. this is the thing that I think a lot of content creators struggle with because they don't think entrepreneurial enough. Now, the entrepreneurs, you know, well, doesn't at the end of the day, doesn't an entrepreneur end up launching a startup or launching several startups or investing in other startups, which is why I think they're very similar. But I think startups, they have a great product idea, but they don't have any of the other stuff that the content uh, They have no community, they have no content, they have no engagement. 
So really, there's a lot that startups can learn from content creators, and that content creators can learn from entrepreneurs, and entrepreneurs at the end of the day end up becoming startups. But I'm thinking about the language of you know, who yeah. the target audience is going to be for my next book, and I'm thinking, you know what? They can all learn a little bit from each other. We're all, all sort of a synergy. We're all entrepreneurs. Things. No, so so we're here's all entrepreneurs, man. Yeah, um, yeah. What's that? Um, I am, I am a business. Yeah. I am not a businessman. I am a business, comma man. Period. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a business, comma man. Um. So yeah, no. So so let me yeah let me kind of like give you like, just what that triggered for me. I think um. When we moved from doing myself and Casey, my producer, and I still do a lot of e-commerce as a fractional CMO, um, but Casey is essentially just full-time on our content projects, right? Like he's on Modern Commerce and he's on our other, our sports show, Triple Cross. Um, and that that's what he's on full-time. And in a lot of ways, it's like, like a bunch of people who have asked us, uh, like, man, how did you guys like grow your YouTube so quick and grow your Instagram so quick? And how did you like do this? And I'm like, we ran ads, Senator. Like, that's, you know, like, that's what we've always done. Uh, we've been, we're from an e-commerce background. Love yeah. <laughs> we, uh, that's, we're from commerce background. Like that's, what we know. And then they're like, well, no, I just, you know, I don't know. It seems like expense. I'm like, I mean, look, I'll accelerate my growth. And like, again, thinking about it like an entrepreneur, an entrepreneur just thinks in numbers. Like, okay, what's the input of, of like numbers? How do I get customers? What is a customer worth, right? Like, is this worth investing in, right? And so that's like, you know, if we think about it that way, great, then we're not afraid to run ads and we can grow with ads. And if we also think about it like a content creator, like, okay, but like, what about the people who come in? We need to think about them and we need to like take care of them and like build this community and, the, and this audience. That's going to make that job of making the unit economics of running ads way, 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 way easier. Right. So again, it's like, you know, the entrepreneur side of it, like think like an entrepreneur, think like a content creator, and then think like a, you know, a startup founder. Where, that's probably where we're missing because we've never been product people before, right? We're like, what yep. is the actual product that we could sell to people, right? Like we're trying to just kind of like only monetize the content in ways, but it's, it's a great point that you're making that it's like, well, is there any kind of product associated with it? Whereas a lot of people just start with product, right? Like I yep. have a good friend who just kind of just barely went out of business that like patented and invented this product. And it's like really cool. Uh, but like he had no really other idea of like how he was going to make it work. And it's like, oh, the unit economics on this don't work because there's no lifetime value. Like you have to wholesale this, you know, and he didn't realize that and all this stuff. So it's like, yeah, I think people just like get they're either product people or content people or entrepreneurial. And it's like if you could come to the middle a little bit, uh, that's like where you're really going to crush. Probably the people who crush it hardest are the people who are kind of in the middle of all of that. Yeah, who have all those uh, all those qualities, and you know, my my brother's a, a successful entrepreneur. And when I started, you know, what I was doing 15 years ago, consulting, he goes, Neil, you need product. Consulting doesn't scale. It's not a true product. Now, I'm a fractional CMO as well. It is one good revenue stream. Yep. But um, you know, it, it's not forever, and it, it doesn't scale. And I try to scale by charging more for every hour, which you yep. know does good over time. But, you know, we need to think about scaling. That's where product, and it could be a service, doesn't have to be like a physical product, but it allows you to scale. It allows you to hire people, right? Yeah. It frees up your time for other things. And that's, I think that's the challenge that content creators have. Like they feel they need to do everything. No, you could be a YouTuber. You know, Mr. Beast has like, I don't know, a staff of 30 people that help him with his, with his videos, right? You don't yeah. have to do everything. You need to find people that are smarter than you in certain yeah. areas. 
that can help move your business forward. If you're the content so, person, can you find a product person and can you find an entrepreneurial person who's like going to think about it from a numbers and economic standpoint and like, would I invest in this? You know, like that if you get, if, if you can get coaches, three, man, yeah, I, if you, I, yeah. Hire coaches or get the three of you together and partner on something. Like, I think that's the move, right? Because if you are, if you, if you lean a certain way, I think you can lean, you can learn to be more balanced, right? Among the, among the three. If I'm like, I'm like envisioning like a little kind of like a three yard little, like, I don't know, like a fidget spinner almost basically uh, is, is more or less what I'm envisioning. Old school, if, man. Yeah. If, if you can, if you can learn to be right there on that, like, you know, ball bearing of the fidget spinner, that's great. But I do think that certain people, and this is just like, like Casey, he's just like more content oriented, right? He just always will be. I'm like more entrepreneurial oriented. I always will be. I can come to center, but like, that's just where I lean. So finding other people, either coaches or team members or people to partner with that balance you out. I think that's, you know, when you really kill it. Well, I think you also need to push yourself to be in an uncomfortable place. So sure. if you're not comfortable with those rear, you got, and so I'm pushing myself to make more product. Like I never created yeah. a course and people have been killing it with courses. Yeah. It's like, Neil, you know, why haven't you done this? So obviously <laughs> I, there's a reason that's holding me back. I just got to get out there and do it. So I hire a coach, right? I, yeah. and I start to block out some days. Like I was writing a book yeah. um, and that's what you need to do. Or you hire someone that's going to do it for you. Ends up being more expensive, may not be better but it's a way to get you out there, but you got to do something. I mean, I, I think for the content creator, the startup or the entrepreneur complacency with the status quo is your biggest enemy mm. and time is your most important resource. So put that two together and you just got to start doing. And yeah. if you can't do it yourself, you got to bring on a team that can help do it for you. I love it. Neil, uh, over the course of this episode, you've helped me with my own business, which is why I started the podcast in the first place so that I could just talk to people who could help me um, with the questions that I have. Uh, I am not seeing any questions in our LinkedIn chat or our YouTube chat. So I think we're good to go there. I'm not seeing anything on the Twitter space either. So I think we're good to go there. Uh, thank you so much for being here. I will plug your book. It is The Age of Influence, uh, but you're going to have to say the title. <laughs> The Age of Influence, The Power of Influencers to Elevate Your Brand. Um, I'll also plug your podcast here. Oh, there we go. There's a shot of the book. The Age of Influence. And there's the Chinese version for those of you that can read it. Hongren, I piece away, but I'll stop. You speak Chinese? I do. Oh, nice. Nice. What, like Mandarin or Cantonese? or Mandarin, oh. yeah. Okay. Um, also, your digital marketing coach with Neil Schaefer podcast check it out wherever you do the podcast thing um everybody thank you for being here today and you have a tradition on the show uh parting shot it's kind of like a tldr uh it makes it easy for us to grab the soundbite or the clip uh it's kind of like hey if you didn't if you didn't hear anything else today if you didn't learn anything else on this episode learn this do you want to take a shot at it today um man there's a lot to do so get busy yeah there we go. Perfect. <laughs> Don't stop even... and stop. Stop. I mean, I listen to podcasts. I read books. I read blogs, but I try to funnel it into action. Yeah. So it's awesome that you're here on the Twitter space, LinkedIn, YouTube podcast, but funnel what you hear into action. Do one thing tomorrow, next week, next month, but pencil it in to move your business forward. Yeah. I love that. It's one of the best parting shots we've ever had. It was so Thanks, quick. Man. Uh, you gave us a little more there, but it was so quick. Casey didn't even get to put you in solo view. Um, <laughs> Casey. Casey, be on it. Uh, Neil, thank you for being here. Uh, if you are listening on an audio platform like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, 
Uh, if you are on Twitter, follow me at John J H Coyle and follow Neil at at Neil Schaefer. S C H A N R. And if you are on YouTube, hey, gotta do the YouTube. Can't forget. If you're on YouTube, subscribe to the channel, hit the bell icon so you know when we're going live, and like the video so other people like you can see it. And we will see you next time. Ciao.